I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. to have you along for the ride tonight coming up in the next hour of inside sports we'll catch up with oil kings general manager kurt hill we'll hear from doug mcclain former coach and gm in the national hockey league was uh working with uh, sportsnet and rogers until the end of last season he always has a unique perspective he'll talk about the hall trade talk about some of the coaches who have been fired recently in the nhl and brendan burke goaltender for the u of a golden bears hockey team who has a pretty unique opportunity coming up he is going to be on the canadian team that will play in the spengler cup so we will visit brendan coming up as well but the Oilers getting set to go tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. We have it for you on 6.30, Chad. 5 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 6.30. Both teams won yesterday. The Blues looking very good on the heels of their championship season and pleased to be joined by St. Albert Kidd, now a defenseman for the St. Louis Blues, Colton Pareko. Colton, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you taking time for us. The uh, St. Louis Blues doing well, 21-8-6. You lead the Central Division by three points over Colorado, who you played last night, and the Avalanche are a pretty good team. Take us through that game, Colton. Yeah, it was a good game. Obviously, kind of we know where, where Colorado is in the standings, and obviously that was kind of for first in the West, it was obviously a hard game. It was kind of like a playoff game. Um, definitely close the whole way through. We got got the fourth one there in the third, kind of go up four to two, and then obviously got an empty netter. So, um, it was a heavy game. Uh, obviously, close the whole way through, which we expected, and uh, just it was a good game overall. I thought. Well, and you know, we talked in the summer that winning a championship changes the perception of a team. Even if you've been a really good team, once you actually have those championship rings, your status goes up a little higher. Almost halfway through the season, do you notice teams taking a different approach this season to playing the St. Louis Blues? What's it been like? I mean, yeah, it's been it's been tough, but I feel like in this league, I mean, any any night, even before we won. Uh, I mean, any team can win on any night, and I think that that's kind of what uh, what this league is about. But I think now that uh, we've kind of been through it all, we understand what what it takes to win. And I think that even a couple couple games ago against Chicago, we we were down three in the third, and we we ended up coming back, which was which was huge for us. And I think that uh, kind of challenges like that have kind of changed our perception um, throughout the season. And We've kind of taken those challenges and um, tried to start running with them and make sure that we take advantage of them. But um, 
like I said earlier, I feel like every game is tough uh, before we won as well. Uh, so many good players in this league that, um, I mean, teams can win each and every night. just uh, depends on how the night goes. Did, uh, did your coach, did your GM, did anybody in the locker room address the championship in training camp and, and say anything like, awesome, we did it, let's not dwell on it though we got to move on or let's use that to add any additional swagger i'm just curious if teams when they when they reconvene after a championship season do you reflect on that or address anything that that could arise out of being the defending champions how did the blues approach that we just tried to make sure that we we flipped the page um just from the whole atmosphere of what comes with uh the championship obviously there's a lot of stuff you do in the summer there's a lot of just the extra activities and things like that, that that come with it. But I think for us, we wanted to flip the page on those things. But at the same time, we wanted to remember what, what made us a good team through that run and what, what got us there and what brought us that championship. So try to obviously keep things incorporated in our game that make us a good team. But at the same time, um, we can't just say, okay, we did it. We're going to go out. We're going to put our sticks on the ice and, and we're going to go out there and win every game. Uh, I think it's completely opposite. We're going to have to come out and uh, we're going to have to earn two points every night. Obviously, teams are going to want to beat you, and uh, that's just that's just the way of of it is after you win. St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko joining us on Inside Sports t- tonight. Uh, Blues take on the Oilers tomorrow, five o'clock face-off show game at six thirty here on six thirty. Chad, you played the Oilers uh, back on November sixth. 5-2 win for the Blues. is a pretty uh, close game. You guys had a couple of empty netters in the third period. Prior to that, Colton, you had a chance to seal it with a breakaway. Defensemen do not often get breakaways. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much you remember about that play. Uh, take me through uh, getting that getting that opportunity. It was, it was a close one, but you didn't quite put it away. Uh, yeah, it was a close one. I just remember getting in. I kind of came in and uh, try to go five hole if I remember correctly and uh it's uh that's all I can really remember I don't I don't get a ton of breakaways so I don't the ones I definitely I don't score a lot so I just try not to remember them I guess uh but I do remember trying to go five hole on it uh back end five hole from what I can remember how many breakaways have you had in the NHL I'm guessing it's a relatively no number or maybe that was the first one (laughs) no I've there was maybe last year or the year before, I feel like I had like three within like a month. It was crazy. I, I'm still scoreless, so uh, maybe I should maybe jump in the line with the forwards when they just shoot out, move to something <laughs> for a couple practices. But uh, no, I, sometimes I get an opportunity. I've, I've kind of generated a few where maybe like the forwards taking it high in the zone or something, and I got a long reach where I kind of poke it off their stick. And I guess I, I guess I kind of had a half breakaway in Colorado last year when I scored in overtime, but. Um, that's kind of like the only one I can really think of. But other than that, my, my, my breakaway moves aren't, aren't too good. Okay. you got the Oilers coming up. Uh, you know, at least the way they lined up yesterday and at practice today is that what we call the big three will be on different lines, McDavid, Drysdale, and Nugent Hopkins. We all know that can change. It, it can change in game. But I'll have to ask you from the, the standpoint of being a defender, and you've played the Oilers now several times in your career, um, you know, do you, do you pay a lot of attention to what the lines are at the beginning of the game, and and does seeing those guys split up change you know your approach at all to, to how you might have to defend against those lines, or, or what you're thinking when you go out onto the ice? 
Yeah, I, obviously I'm trying to make sure I, I know who's playing with who before the game starts, especially if we're going to try to line match or if, if our assignments are against certain lines. But um, obviously the beauty about Edmonton is that they got the opportunity to kind of they got the tools to kind of mix and match and, and move players around and have players play with different different guys and uh, so it's it's a different challenge obviously obviously each time you play them um, when when they have obviously McDavid and Drysaddle playing together it has a different dynamic than when uh, they're they're apart so um, obviously you're, you're still going to kind of play play all the players the same you obviously want to give them little space little time but um, knowing that. Maybe they're not on the ice together is, is a little different, obviously, and um, but still trying to approach defending the same way, I guess. And, uh, but I think the main thing there is, like like I said, they they have a lot of a lot of opportunities, a lot of different players up front that can uh, play in different spots and different roles, and I think that that's uh, that's effective and and it can be dangerous. So uh, we just got to make sure that we uh, we're aware of when they're out there together, when they're not, and just take advantage of it. All right, and uh, final one for you. We always uh, go off the ice uh, a, a little bit. Uh, obviously, your, your family is uh, is here. Are you going to buzz home for Christmas, or is it a Christmas in St. Louis? What's coming up? No, it's it's a Christmas in Edmonton. Actually, luckily, we uh, we finish in LA on the twenty third. So, for me to come back to St. Louis, Edmonton's kind of in the middle of that anyhow. So, I'm just going to make a quick pit stop in Edmonton for two days. And then we end up playing Winnipeg on the 27th. So um, it actually works out perfect because L.A. and then I kind of make a quick pit stop in Edmonton and then keep keep on going over to Winnipeg. So uh, the scheduling actually worked pretty good. Uh, I remember the last or my first and second year, I think we finished actually in Edmonton and then in Calgary the next year. So those were good years. But, I mean, this year is good as well because obviously we're on the West Coast already. So it kind of makes it easy for me to, uh, to get home and see the family and uh, just – get some uh, time at home that's always nice well colton it's always great to have you on inside sports we appreciate your time uh, the blues are doing great so we wish you uh, good luck thank you so much for checking in awesome yes thank you very much for having me and uh have a great rest of your night all right there's colton pareko always great to have him on the show he dropped in uh in the summer when he was home for a bit, told you how he was uh, getting through the uh, the summer as a Stanley Cup champ, having a lot of fun with that. And uh, the Blues have not had any sort of the Stanley Cup. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Up hangover or the drop off or the complacency. An excellent team. Another tough test for the Oilers coming up tomorrow night. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Well, a very good season so far for your Edmonton Oil Kings. The expectations were high after what they accomplished last season. And for the most part, they have uh, been able to live up to those expectations. They are first in the Central Division. They have a record of 22-6-7. Hasn't uh, always been a smooth ride, though, for the Oil Kings. 
And uh, one of the things they had to deal with was uh, veteran defenseman Connor McDonald, who uh, about a month ago decided that he needed some uh, time away from the team and uh, looking to be traded closer to home in British Columbia. And a few days ago, he was traded to Kelowna, and the Oil Kings get a first-round pick in the Bantam draft in 2021. They also get a third-round pick in 2023. Have some comments on the trade and more on the Oil Kings season from general manager Kurt Hill, who was on with Bob Stoffer. On Oilers now. When a player decides to leave your team, I really give Connor time to think about, uh, you know, where he was at with the game and where he was at with his career. And he made a decision that he needed to be closer to home and he needed to be playing somewhere um, that was close to his family. And that's so he gave me a couple of teams that he would play for, and it took some time. But uh, you know, Bruce and I have lengthy conversations on it. I know that they were really looking for a power play quarterback for the Memorial Cup here. I don't think they felt like they had a true guy that could run the power play um, that was putting up significant numbers. And, you know, he's that guy that fits that mold. So I think um, through those conversations, at the same time, you know, Connor was a big piece of our team and a big loss. And it wasn't that we're just a team that is out of the playoff picture and looking to sell off or a team that's still looking at and and Bruce is as well looking for that power play quarterback so I think it was the perfect marriage where you know we weren't just going to get Connor up for free and and he was looking for what we had and we came to the agreement that a first single third was, was the right price and you know I alluded to before that the first depending on what Kelowna does next season who knows what that first could end up being it could potentially end up being a lottery first too for all we know so that's a pretty big pick in the third I mean that's down the road that could just well, and that's what I was going to ask you next. I mean, you've got a hole there now. I mean, McDonald was supposed to be basically in your top pairing, uh, and and he only played like 15. Like you guys have been dealing with this for the last month, and you know you're eight one and one in your last ten games. So you're playing pretty well, but but theoretically, would you look to use that pick and maybe something else to get yourself um, another defenseman back in the top four? Yeah, no, potentially. I think the one thing that, you know, you find out when you go through these tough stretches is when McDonald left the team, November was a tough month for us. We had 14 games, and and we played some of the heavy teams, and there was a trying time with, uh, you know, guys stepping into new roles. And we got through that month. We got through the BC trip, and, you know, it just seemed like we got better and better. And those guys that got more opportunities started to flourish in those roles. And it seemed like now, here before the break, we had guys playing up in the lineup, and they've really... Uh, taking advantage of the ice time they're getting and the role that they put in. So not to say that we wouldn't add a significant piece, but at the same time, you know, you might be able to add a, a more of a depth defenseman that has some older experience that can that can help you out. And maybe you don't need that offensive guy like some of the guys that have been running our power play. Power play starts to get going again too, that it seems to be clicking. But uh, yeah, not to say that we wouldn't add that piece, but uh, we're also happy with the way that uh, the guys that have stepped into those roles have been playing. Kurt Hill joining us, President GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings and Oilers now. Kurt, you've got a goaltender right now, and he's only 16, and he is a future star. I guess technically he just turned 17, but that's Sebastian Cosa. He's a 2002, uh, listed at six foot five and a half. He's the reigning WHL goaltender of the week. He's got a 925 save percentage, 12 and 2 record. This guy's really kind of grabbed it here, hasn't he? Yeah, no, he's been he's been really good since he's come at the start of the year. I think there's only been probably two starts that he'd want back, and we'd want back for him. But at the same time, when a goalie's that age in the league, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have some you're going to have some tough starts. It's about maturing in the league and you know understanding on how how you got prepared for games, prepare on the road. So, but to say that. Uh, 
he's taken advantage of the opportunities that's come for him. He has for sure. And, uh, he's played well for us. There's no question about it. But it's still about us making sure that we're putting him in the right situations to succeed with him having that late birthday of NHL draft year. It's not until next year. And, you know, he's still a first-year player in the Western League of Rookie. So we got to make sure that uh, we're not throwing too much to him at once and we're, we're uh, making sure that he's developing at the right pace because he's a big part of our team, not only this year, but the next couple of years after that, too. So Todd Scott has been splitting duties basically for the last half a year. Uh, we're hearing, is anything going on there? Uh, Todd's kind of at the same uh, same stage that Connor was. He's, he's at home right now evaluating where he wants to be um, with the group. I think it's been um, a little bit of a trying time with him, understanding that he came into the year as a starter and now he's splitting time. Not to say that he's not anymore, but he's splitting time with Kosa. So I still think uh, we'll work him through that and uh, we'll kind of see where that goes here uh, at the end of the week and through the Christmas break. Okay, so uh, well, that's a that's that's an interesting situation for. I mean, your team's sitting there in first place. You guys have a chance to win the league, don't you? Yeah, we do. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's some guys that I think hockey's changing in the sense that way. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think the guys are unhappy with the team. I think that that's just there's a lot more that goes into junior hockey now than just wins and losses. You know, a lot of it's about opportunity. A lot of what it's about kids wanting to play closer to home. You know, there's a lot more variables now. I mean, I'm, I remember when I got drafted. I didn't care where I got drafted, whether any two, any 22 teams in the Western League could pick me, and I would have been signing the signing the standard player agreement the next day. But uh, things are a little different now, and that's even when guys do sign player agreements and they enter the league, and you know they get traded a few times. Things change, and they got their education packages now. Guys decide to to leave a little bit earlier, so it's you know you got to constantly be recruiting a player no matter what, no matter whether they've been in the league for two years, three years, four years. It's a constant recruiting effort from your whole staff. And, you know, sometimes players just uh, priorities in life change and maybe they, they see the, the end of the finish line there. The NHL's not going to be a part of that, so they decide to make changes a little bit earlier than before. Well, I mean, Josh Patterson uh, was with Saskatoon, got moved to Portland. He had a year of eligibility left in the Western League, and he's he did not stay. And we're talking about a guy that was probably being counted on, I, I think, conservatively, Kurt, to be at least a 30 to 35 goal scorer for the Winterhawks this year. And he elected to go to the University of Alberta as a 20 year old instead of, you know, normally those guys go there, as you know, go to U Sports Hockey at 21. So, pretty interesting, uh, maybe some of that changing landscape. Uh, with McDonald being traded now, you've only got the two 20-year-olds, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. What is the market like right now around the league? Uh, you know, because there is some clear delineation with some teams that are out of it, like uh, Prince George, Swift Current, uh, Moose Jaw sliding a bit, Regina. Uh, you, you know, are, are there good veterans, solid defensemen that could help you guys out with any of those teams? Yeah, you know, the 20-year-old landscape, definitely there's guys out there. I think it's kind of a bit of a waiting game right now to see, you know, who's going to make the first big splash and whether that then makes that team at four 20-year-olds and guys start to open up. Like, it's just, it's kind of a bit of a waiting game right now. I don't think, obviously, we're in the trade freeze now until the 27th, so it's just going to be a lot of talk and not much happening. And maybe there'll be some trades announced once we get back on the 27th. But, yeah, say, I guess, long story short to your question, it's uh, there's definitely guys out there that can help and, uh, Again, it's just kind of the price you want to play. A couple of the 20-year-olds that have been moved around, like Wegman and McDonald now, 
two guys that went for a pretty hefty price. So I guess it's just depending how big of a player you want, the price you want to pay. It's, uh, you can get whatever you want. I, I guess they're willing to play the right price. All right, there's Kurt Hill, general manager of uh, your Edmonton Oil Kings. Again, really good so far, 22-6-7. Some great stories uh, on that team. They're going to be a contending team in the Western Hockey League moving uh, post-Christmas. At Red Deer on the 27th is the Oil Kings' next game, their next home game, December 28th, when they will once again play the uh, Red Deer Rebels. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout for the 7.30 news and weather. When we get back, former NHL coach, GM, and broadcaster Doug McLean. How did it break down for the Taylor Hall deal? What does he think of some of the uh, coaches who have... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Been let go for various reasons so far this NHL season. That's coming up next on Inside Sports. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, if you missed Jack Michaels earlier, Miko Koskinen, your expected starter in goal tomorrow as the Oilers meet the St. Louis Blues for the second time this season. Blues winning earlier this year at Rogers Place by a score of 5-2. We had Blues defenseman Colton Pareko on the show in the last half hour. If you ever miss anything or want to catch something again, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com or sign up for the Inside Sports podcast from wherever you get your podcast. Man, there have been a lot of big stories in the NHL this season. Mike Babcock fired uh, the story with Bill Peters and uh, some of the uh, abuse and uh, inappropriate language uh, allegations and accusations that, that came out of that. And, oh, yeah, one of the best players in the league has been traded. Taylor Hall yesterday went from New Jersey to Arizona. He'll make his debut tonight as the Coyotes meet the Sharks. To discuss many of those storylines, a friend of the show, former NHL coach and GM Doug McLean. Doug, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Well, semi-retirement's not bad. I'm kind of enjoying myself. I miss I miss doing uh, Sportsnet and Hockey Central, but you know what? I've, it was time and... Uh, I feel really uh, good about where I am, and I'm, you know, I'm busy with a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of real estate in Prince Edward Island that keeps me busy, and I've got quite a bit going on. So I, I'm, uh, I'm really pretty comfortable. So I miss. I, I can't say I don't miss it, but lots. I don't miss the travel every week from Florida to Toronto for sure. I don't miss that. Well, that's a good Do I point. Miss the paycheck. I miss the paycheck. The odd time, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, my my dad's been retired for, well, heck, almost fifteen years now, and uh, he's never bored. I can tell you that. And you, you, you sound like you're the same. You, you get into other yeah. stuff or, or pursue things you always wanted to pursue. I assume you're an excellent golfer yeah. by now. Yeah, you know what? I, I get the. I'll, uh, I mean, I've got a challenge between golf, pool, and beach. But you know what? I still, I still watch a lot of games, and I, I've had a ton of people after me do a podcast. You know, we're thinking of doing something. The challenge with doing a podcast for me right now is, then you've got to follow the league really close. And I, after following the league really close for thirty plus years, 
I'm not sure that I want to do that, but I'm going to consider it in the new year and see where it goes. But I, you know what? So uh, I'm I'm busy and I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying things. Well, it's always good to catch up with you, and it, it's always neat to get your perspective on some of the big stories in the NHL. And one of the biggest for this calendar year is certainly going to be Taylor Hall traded. You don't see many guys of that quality traded twice while they're still in their 30s, but it didn't work out the way the Devils wanted. The contract is expiring, and he goes to Arizona, and I guess he goes to Arizona, Doug, for some players and picks that, that aren't going to help the Devils immediately, but can Arizona keep Hall? This is going to be, it, it's fun to evaluate it now, but maybe three, five years down the road, we're going to be taking a different look at it. Well, let's look at the, uh, the Duchesne trade from Ottawa to Columbus. Okay, um, it was a very, at the time, considered one-sided, where Duchesne goes to Columbus. Uh, they thought they had a chance to re-sign him. Uh, he was going to make them a contender along with keeping Panarin and Bobrovsky. And today you'd look at that trade and you'd say, oh, that, that really hurt Columbus, uh, getting Duchesne for the two months and losing him and getting in the playoffs in the last day of the season and getting beat out in the second round. So you can't evaluate these trades. On the, on the surface, it, it looks like a good trade for Arizona. You know, he's a, look, uh, Taylor's a heck of a player. He fits into today's game because of his speed and his skill. He can score. But surprisingly, one 30-goal season in his entire career. Today he's sitting with six goals in this season. You know, he's been banged up. He's had his challenges. But... You know what? Uh, it's going to be a trade that'll be evaluated over a period of time, uh, and the big part will be: do they get him resigned, and are they prepared to pay him nine, ten million dollars to keep him? You know, they probably will be, and they'll probably do everything they can to get him signed. And if they get him signed, it's a good, it's a good deal for Arizona. And uh, you know, right today, it doesn't look like a great deal. I mean, a couple of secondary prospects come in the deal. And one first-round pick and potentially another first-round pick and a second-round pick. Um, you know, who knows? If we're sitting and New Jersey looked like Colorado in four years from now because of these picks turning out, uh, who knows what we're saying about this trade. So you, you've been there when you, when you know you got to move somebody or, or you want to move somebody and you're trying to get as much as possible and, and Shiro was clearly trying to do that and and you know some teams, you know, like the Oilers, would have had cap limitations and maybe couldn't add Hall. Some teams maybe didn't want to pay the price. And Ray's trying to get as much as he can. You know, you as a GM, how are you leveraging that? And, you know, you can't be sneaky with these guys. They all know what's going on. You're probably not going to trick anybody into giving you something that they, they don't want to. How, how do these negotiations go? How, how would have this... How would have this, uh, you know, in your mind, kind of shaken down, and and eventually Shiro decides, okay, this is what I got to got to get here. Well, you, you get the word out uh, two ways. You get the word out to by calling individual teams. You 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 break down every team. And you say, okay, who who could really use Taylor Hall, and who could number two, more importantly, afford Taylor Hall cap wise. And how much money do we have to hold, in other words, to make that happen? And who can afford to sign them down the road? So there's a lot of uh, tangibles to look at. Then you say, okay, we get the word out. So you touch base with those teams. And then you maybe leak it a little bit in the media to get the word out there that he's, that he, that he's available. Ray's not a big leaker with the media. 
So I can't imagine that happens. But it gets out. Once you phone somebody as a GM, uh, you don't like it, but you know there's a pretty good chance that agents are going to hear, media are going to hear, and it's going to get out. So it's a really challenging deal to make, to be quite honest, because you've got the marquee player, and he's an unrestricted free agent. I mean, I look back and I say, okay, how does it compare to the Nash deal that Boston uh, that Boston did a couple of years ago when they acquired Rick Nash? This is a this is a younger Rick. You know, Rick was probably a similar age, but he had been, had some concussion issues and he only lasted one year. How does the asset return look? Well, it looks pretty comparable to me, but it is a really tough deal. I like the deal today for Arizona. Um, Ray would be frustrated by it because he would have liked to have kept Taylor. But at the stage of where they are as a franchise, they had no choice but to make a move and not take a chance. Look at look at Columbus today. They made a decision to keep Panarin and Bobrovsky. They paid two firsts, uh, one first and a conditional for Duchesne, and they paid two seconds and a player in Duclair for Dezingle. And they're sitting there today without any of those guys back. And it's really been decimating, devastating for a 19-year-old franchise to have that happen. So Jersey could not afford to not be able to retain Taylor. When they didn't get him done last year, the pressure starts to mount. And, you know, uh, Taylor's agent is a guy that's a deadline hunter, Farish, and he'll deadline hunt. You know, I saw Taylor quoted saying, maybe I'll sign before the end of the year. But Darren Farish hasn't got a history for that. And uh, he's showing that with his last few free agents. It's been absolutely a nightmare for teams. So does Taylor finally say, I want to be there and let's get a deal done? Or does it go on and on? So what I'm trying to say is, is there a winner? Is there a loser today? It's Arizona. Um, Who knows where it is down the road? Doug McLean joining us on Inside Sports, former general manager and coach of the National Hockey League. Of course, you saw him in recent seasons on Sportsnet. All right, so some coaches have been let go this year for various reasons. Uh, I want to ask you about the the hockey ones, and I'll, maybe I'll kind of reference the San Jose situation because Peter DeBoer's a, a longtime coach in the league. He's been successful in several stops. Um, the Sharks have been a, a great franchise, haven't been able to get over the hump and, and win the Stanley Cup. You know, you've been there where you've had to decide – Man, I probably like this guy as a person and think he's a great coach, but I, but I don't think he can go on behind the bench of my team. Tell me about that thought process. Finally, getting to that point where you realize you got to make a change. It can't be easy. Well, it goes back to you know the series against Vegas for me, where San Jose is playing Vegas, and they were unbelievably lucky, fluky to win that series on that five-minute major. The way Jones played in that series, the way Carlson played in that series, albeit he was banged up, the way the Sharks looked in that series, I didn't think they should have had any chance to win that. And they then they won it, but then they lose right after, and it's uh, you know it's all for naught. And then the summer happens, Pavelski is let go, and Carlson signed to a huge deal, and Kane is signed whenever he was signed. So you've got a transition, a changing of the guard there. And I can't imagine that the Pavelski uh, loss and the Carlson signing and the Kane signing, when some guys that were there a long time didn't get their money, it sat very well. So I don't think it was a very good situation for Peter starting the season. The Carlson deal to me was, was a, like, 
This guy was on the ice for 23 goals in the first round against Vegas last year. 23 goals he was on the ice for. And I know he was banged up, but he does not want to play defense. And I'll tell you what, watching this team play at the start of the year, I didn't like Peter's chances of surviving. And on the five-game swing through Florida and where they lost all five, I, I felt he was in trouble. Um, you don't like to fire Peter. He's a good man. He's a good coach. The team has never won a Stanley Cup. Big cha- uh, Some big changes. They've lived through a few rebuilds. It didn't surprise me that he let Peter go, but Doug Wilson, his job's on the line now, and he's been there 18 years, and he's done a real good job keeping them as a contender, but they haven't won. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. There have obviously been some firings for other reasons as well. Uh, Montgomery and Dallas, the Stars call it unprofessional conduct. Obviously, the Bill Peters saga dragged on in Calgary. Um, Crawford uh, suspended for a while as an assistant coach from the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, Babcock was fired for the performance of the team, but obviously there have been some other players coming out and saying some things about him. Like, you, you were around the NHL for a long time. You were in dressing rooms. You dealt with coaches and players. Are, are you... Are you surprised some of this is coming out? Did you think it was a matter of, matter of time or these isolated cases? I'm just wondering how you you see all these sort of verbal and physical abuse, um, you know, allegations or accusations that are being made. You know what? It caught me off guard. I mean, I was around for 30 years around the league, and I and I heard about all kinds of situations. Um, but I got to tell you something: <clears throat> the racist one. That that caught me totally off guard, and the minute I saw it, um, I knew Bill was done. You, you, you. I don't care when it was. I don't care what it was. Uh, that was that was intolerable. The physical abuse. Look, I, I, you know, I, I was a head coach for quite a while. I was a, you know, assistant coach, head coach, associate coach, for twenty some years. I don't remember, and I was with Brian Murray, Jacques Martin, some quality people. I don't remember verbal. I, I look. I yelled at players. Sure, there would be lots of players that wouldn't like what I said to them, but not verbal abuse, and certainly not physical abuse. It never entered my mind, and it never entered anybody that I work with. I don't get it. I mean, I don't get not treating people with respect. Look, 22 years in the NHL, there's not one player that I was involved with that I would mind sitting down and having a beer with and talking about their career and their and our time together. Some guys may not have liked me, but I'll tell you, I couldn't, I wouldn't have a handful of guys I didn't like as people that I had in my 22 years. So I, I don't get this. I, I really don't. And you know what? Uh, it, it, it can't, you've got to treat people with the respect they deserve. It doesn't matter if it's in the office. It doesn't matter if it's on the ice. I, I, I just, I, it caught me off guard, to be quite honest. It really did. I'm sorry. I just didn't see it in my situations and with the people I work with. Doug McLean joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, of course, former general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I want to wrap up there with you. Earlier this season, 
defenseman Chris Russell played his 800th regular season game. He's almost at 900 games if you factor in his postseason experience as well. Um, you know, this is a guy you got 67th overall in 2005. So uh, I, probably a guy you followed. Clearly a player well respected around the league. Did you take, I don't know if satisfaction is the right word, but you must take a little bit of pride in seeing a guy you picked that has you know been able to play for so long. Uh, that draft, we took Adam McQuaid in the second round and uh, and Chris in the third round. And I remember thinking, what wow, what character guys we got. I remember spending a lot of time in Medicine Hat watching them because it was a great group there. There was Bo Meester there and Cam. Cam Barker was around at that time, and Lupo, and those all those guys. So I spent a lot of time in Medicine Hat. I, I thought the world of the kid. I uh, I'm thrilled for him. He's had a wonderful career, and he's got such amazing respect in the dressing room. Uh, and it's all Chris Russell. I remember a year after we drafted him, watching him at the World Junior in Vancouver. He he was better than Barker in the World Junior in Vancouver. And I remember leaving the rank saying, "Wow, we we got a player here in uh, in Chris." And so I'm really proud of him. And it's been Chris that's you know we drafted him where we drafted him, but it's Chris that deserves the credit for being such a complete team guy. That that's what I love about him. And I I talked to him recently, a couple of years ago, and it was kind of fun to to talk, you know, when he was going through a little thing there. So it's kind of fun. Uh, it was hometown hockey, did a feature on him, and I, I was involved in it, and it was always great. And then his parents were terrific people. So I, I'm really proud of him. Well, yeah, that's good to hear. He's obviously uh, become an important part of the Oilers as well, who will get back at it tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. Doug, it is always great to have you on the show. I'm not going to let you stay fully retired. I'm going to bug you to be on Inside Sports every now and then. But uh, enjoy your Christmas, and thanks for checking in. You have a great holiday season too, Reid, and any time, bud. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All the best, man. Doug McLean, always appreciate his perspective. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. The Spengler Cup, the annual tournament in Switzerland, starts next week, and the Canadian contingent will be coached by Craig McTavish. We had him on the show earlier this month talking about uh, stepping behind the bench for Team Canada, also his experience coaching briefly in the KHL. He was fired after just eight games, so Craig McTavish will be behind the bench. And U of A Golden Bears goaltender Brendan Burke will be one of the three goaltenders on the team. Brendan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks a lot for having me, Reed. It is great to have you on the show again. Exciting times for you. You're going to be representing Canada at the uh, Spangler Cup. Tell us a little bit about how this opportunity shook down for you. Yeah, well, I got a pretty good connection with the GM. Uh, my dad, he's uh, going through the process here, picking a team. He's picked a couple CIS guys here in the past. The uh, especially for that third goalie role where it's, it's hard to get guys who, you know, to travel that far to uh, possibly not play over the Christmas break. So he asked me if I was willing to do it. And, uh, yeah, really excited and looking forward to getting over there. All right. Well, uh, and 
you, you mentioned you've, you so you've never been to Europe at all, or just never been to Switzerland? I've been to Europe uh, a few times with the family, but never Switzerland. Okay, well, that'll be fun. It's, it's certainly a unique tournament, and it, whenever I see the highlights, it always seems very, very boisterous, a lot of chanting and a lot of, a lot of pride for, for the countries and the teams involved, so that's, that's pretty cool. Do you go over there with any expectation to, to play or even worried about anything like that at this point? Uh, I have no expectation. Uh, you know, it's obviously up to coaches, but uh, you know, I'll be ready. And I think uh, going in, I'll be considered uh, kind of the same situation as Jordan, where uh, you're going to go in as the third guy. But short tournament, you never know what can happen. So just got to stay ready and uh, you know, if, uh, just do whatever I, I can to help the team if it involves playing or not. All right. Well, obviously, uh, another good season for you, and first half of the season for the U of A Golden Bears. I guess, though, the goaltending position, a bit of a story because Sachenko uh, signed a pro contract in the summer. Uh, you're going to have Garrett Outhouse on the team. He departed in September, really, before you got into the into the meat of the season. You've kind of been the, the, the stalwart there through through some of the changes. What's it been like with the, uh, with the changes at the goaltending position? Yeah, well, you know, I was obviously really happy for Zach getting that deal last year and uh, he had such a good year, so it's uh, it's promising for uh, guys like us and other guys in the league. Hopefully, uh, there's some of those contracts available at the end of every season. And um, you know, Griffin, I didn't really get to know him too well. He was here briefly, but uh, happy for him. It's it's worked out well. So it's uh, yeah, it's, I've had lots of partners since I've been here. It's uh, you know, in year four, I've had quite a few, but um, you know, it's pretty nice. And we that's uh, one of the strengths of our team is always having a, a close knit group of goalies. All right, and, uh, you know, I always ask the academic question, it's that time of year, are we pulling you away from some exams here, or have you have you got through the uh, the tough part? What's going on school-wise? No, I finally uh, got through the tough part. I had, uh, I had five finals this uh, last couple weeks, and I just finished my last two yesterday, so I'm on break. I'm actually down in Calgary right now, spending some time with my family before I head over to Switzerland. And when are you leaving? Uh, 22nd, we fly out. 22nd, you, you fly out. Okay, so uh, you'll have some fun over there, and then come back and dive right into the dive right into the second semester. Going to be a pretty cool experience. Brendan, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for filling us in on what's up, and all the best, man. Yeah, anytime, Reed. Thanks a lot. All right, good to catch up with Brendan. Great opportunity for him traveling over to Switzerland. As you heard him say, he leaves on the uh, 22nd. Man, that's right away. So he will play uh, represent Canada. Don't know if he'll play necessarily. Maybe he'll get into a game, but it would be pretty cool for him to be around the team at the Spengler. Besides Brendan Burke, you heard from Doug McLean, Oil Kings general manager Kurt Hill, Blues defenseman Colton Pareko, former Edmonton Oiler Jason Chimera, and Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels. Tomorrow... Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2. I will join you for the face-off show at 5. Play-by-play of the Oilers and Blues will commence at 6.30. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, the studio operator tonight. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.